Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large at Recode. You may know me as the director of the National Insecurity Agency, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Michael Hayden, a retired U.S. Air Force four-star general and the former director of National Security Agency. He's also the author of a new book, which is fantastic, called The Assault on Intelligence, American National Security in the Age of Lies. General Hayden, welcome thank to you. Recode Decode. It's a tremendous book. I, it's well, one you. of these, uh, I don't know if you know this, I went to the Foreign Service School at Jerusalem. Yeah, I, I desperately <laughs> wanted to be in the CIA, but it didn't work out for me that way. Um, so I, I'm very interested in what's going on in intelligence, and obviously it's been in the news quite a lot this week especially. Um, so let's talk, I want to get to the book, but let's talk about your background um, in terms of how you got to this. Because, And I do want to talk a lot about the, the digital elements of this. Right. I think a lot of right. this does now focus on where we're going with intelligence and how it's happening. And of course, sort of the Trump administration assault on the idea of what intelligence should be. And you've been an outspoken critic. Um, But let's talk a little bit about your background. You've had a a long history in this area. Right. Um, Career military, 39 years in the Air Force. Most of it intelligence, but not exclusively. Did mm -hmm. some policy work. I was an instructor for mm-hmm. four years, for example. But mostly, if you if you try to pin me down, I'm a career intelligence officer. How did you get into that? Was there, I, you, you know, uh, you were in the Na- you, Air you, Force. Air Force, I'm sorry. Yeah. You were in the Air Force because you just wanted to go into the Air Force? Or? No, I was uh, in the Air Force because when I was going to college, there was something called universal military mm-hmm. service. And mm-hmm. it, in my neighborhood, it meant universal. Mm-hmm. And, and so the decision my fiance and I made that, well, if we, everyone's going, mm-hmm. so why not go as an officer, mm-hmm. take advantage of your education? And so I, I finished the ROTC program at Duquesne University. The Air Force quite generously gave me what was called an educational delay. So I, I stayed on campus for another two years getting a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Both undergraduate and graduate degrees mm-hmm. were in history, mm-hmm. and history just seemed to be a, a natural entree to the field of intelligence. Absolutely. I volunteered for it. They selected me in the rest went My dad forward. went the same way. He was in the Navy, actually. They put him through college, went to medical school, the right. whole thing. Um, talk about what intelligence was in those days when you talk about that. Yeah, so um, intelligence in those days, I mean, keep in mind, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. an old guy. This, this is the <laughs> 60s, late 60s, early 70s, um, mechanical, linear, mm-hmm. an industrial world. I mean, I in, in my studies, I studied something called AWPD-1, Air War Plan Director 1, mm-hmm. which is the war plan against Hitler's Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, very industrial age about key points, key nodes in an economy and so on. So if you went into the Air Force in those days, certainly at my level, intelligence meant a lot about targeting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but as I got more senior, as the world changed, uh, intelligence, at least for me personally, uh, be- became uh, broader. And and in my last 10 years in government, I was pulled to the national level by President Clinton Mm -hmm. to be the director of NSA and then by President Bush to be the director of CIA. And in between, I had a year of something called the principal deputy director of national intelligence. And so there, you've got a career GI 
uh, spent a lot of time traveling the world and seeing things and trying to absorb, mm-hmm. and now at the national level. So it's far less about targeting, you know, far less about the, kind of the mechanics of combat and far more about the dynamics of uh, global security or insecurity. Right, right. Let's talk a little about what the, what that intelligence entailed back then and how it's it's obviously gotten more technological, more... Right. There was always technology elements all, to all, all, always. Always, that's correct. So talk about what it morphed into more. It was recordings. Yeah. Uh, so the way I tell the story mm-hmm. is, you know, there are multiple ways to learn about things other people don't want you to learn about. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, to be very candid, one's read the newspaper. I mean, there's an awful lot of information in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And in that case, newspaper here is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. for publicly available information. There are kind of three broad strains that we use when we want to go steal mm-hmm. secrets. Mm-hmm. Humans, uh, signals intelligence, which is about communications, and then imagery uh, intelligence. And and how we emphasize each of those lanes depends on the world in which we find ourselves. And, and to be very, very candid, and I think it's suggested in the way you framed your question, When I became the director of NSA in 1999, we are moving into the digital age, Mm -hmm. all right? Early internet. Yes. Google has not. Uh, It just was formed. But but you you can see Mm -hmm. the wave coming. And and, and frankly, what we saw, and we said this to ourselves at NSA, it's going to be hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really technically challenging. But if we do it even half well— this is going to be the golden age of electronic surveillance. And, mm-hmm. and before I scare a lot of your listeners <laughs> with that, I mean, when you, you go out me. there, <laughs> you go out there and, and you, you want to learn when an enemy is up to, what an adversary might be thinking, uh, when an adversary or an enemy begins to use all these modern tools, mm-hmm. and, and, and especially back in that day, uh, they were putting them up into a domain that was near defenseless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which right? is good for you. But which is good for me and bad bad for you and me on the personal level. Right. So there is this era here, probably lasted the last 15, 16 years, mm-hmm. in, in, in which signals intelligence, mm-hmm. all right, electronic espionage, was really privileged. It was an age in which we could harvest a great deal. And here I'm talking about legitimate requirements, legitimate targets, mm-hmm. legitimate targeting, all right? Mm-hmm. But it was the golden age of that. Now as you and I are getting smarter about end-to-end encryption mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and how we want to make our own communication secure, so are our enemies. Right. All right. And so now we might actually now be seeing another shift. I mean, you don't stop trying to collect things electronically, but now you realize, you know, that that mine is played out a little bit, mm-hmm. and maybe we need to start digging over here with the other sources of information. Right. That would be now human intelligence. And again, I come back to where I began. And op- so much is now available that right. you don't have well, to I do steal. Want to get into Why don't you just look? I, I, I do want to get into the idea because w- when we have all these companies uh, that have all this information or collecting all this information right. at the same time, it's just a constant stream of signals, like you were saying, and also the availability of information. But let's go back. When you were head of NSA and CIA, the principal stuff you all were working on were to gather intelligence using the newest technologies. We, we were, but, right. but again— uh, you know, you still had this exquisite slice at the top mm-hmm. based on human sources, mm-hmm. all right? And there, there are some things that you just cannot get otherwise. Right. Than, than Explain having, that for people. Well, sure. I mean, um, people may or may not report faithfully on a meeting uh, in terms of the, the minutes. What happened. The communication. They may or may not represent the meaning of the meeting well on a phone call that you may intercept. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to have a guy in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and that's— 
in essence, what, what human sources are. Right. People who are part of an organization, let me be very candid, mm-hmm. part of an organization that believes has their loyalty. Right. But you have some way or another convinced that person that they have a higher, greater loyalty. Mm-hmm. And they begin to tell you things that happened. And the, the problem with human intelligence is that it's not always accurate. It's um, yeah. dealing with humans. Humans, right. So they <laughs> yeah. don't, either they lie or they don't remember. Right. And so, so when you look at a source, mm-hmm. and, and boy, this, this fast forwards mm-hmm. right to, you know, rip from today's headlines. Uh, think of the Steele dossier. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that uh, My, Christopher Steele. Right. And all that information. For someone like me, the Steele dossier is the beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. not the end of the journey. Right. And so for every assertion in the dossier, which is all human sourced, right. for every assertion, we would say, would that person be likely to know that? Mm-hmm. Has that person told me other things that turned out to be true? And then do I have other information that confirms what he or she is claiming? Mm-hmm. And you go through that. With, with every human source, with every piece of data they toss at you. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into your book in a second. But so when you were running this, what when with, at the beginning of the Internet Age, you were in National Link. Before that, you had run all kinds of uh, presumably uh, uh, things to get information to be out oh, in the field. I, I, I did. But, yeah. but, but um, early in my career, mm-hmm. I would have been on the analytic side of Meaning people bring in data. I, I, so, so I was the customer mm-hmm. of, of collection. Mm-hmm. The, the, the back half, back end, at least a decade, eh, 15 years, mm-hmm. the back end of my career, I was the producer mm-hmm. of the raw information. Right, right. So when you talk about when you get data back then, you would get the data and then you would analyze it and right. then come to a conclusion based on all the best data. The best, best available. Right, right. And and in most cases, the way it was done, because I want to get in this idea of the assault on intelligence, right. is that it's not a guess, but it's a guess. It's a version of a guess based on, it's like reporting or anything else. I, exactly right. It's, it's a, we, we would use the word estimate, mm-hmm. okay, or assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in darker days, we would use the, use the phrase wag. Mm-hmm. Wild-ass guess. Yeah. <laughs> all right. um, I do those all the time. But, it, but it's based, number one, and this is, we get to the thesis of the book in a bit, it, it's based on the pursuit of objective reality. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's really important. Right. Now, you can get that wrong. Right. Uh, now, I'll throw myself on the mercy of the court here and say I was in the room mm-hmm. when we all voted on the Iraq Weapons of Mass Destruction mm-hmm. National Intelligence Estimate. Mm-hmm. We were pursuing an accurate view of objective reality. We were wrong, mm-hmm. so you can you can Which get is, it wrong, right. even if you you know, try try your best. Right. I um, I tell a story of myself. I was um, after the, the WMD problem. I was talking to a bunch of what I've now learned to call high net worth individuals. Mm-hmm. Okay, as director of CIA, I was mm-hmm. just kind of one over the world, and I, I I did my my big hand little map, and we've got this and this, and mm-hmm. we worry. And then I got a question. He said, uh, General, on a scale of zero to ten. How would you rate CIA analysis? Mm-hmm. And I paused for a moment, mm-hmm. and then I said, first thing you got to know is we don't do 8, 9, or 10. Mm-hmm. If, if you can get it to 8, 9, or 10, they're asking the Department of Commerce the question. <laughs> okay. They, they aren't asking us the question. And, and so in, intelligence may, you know, it, it, obviously an imperfect human enterprise, but it is based, and, and I emphasize this in right. the book, it, it's based on enlightenment values. Right, right. Evidence 
data, hypothesis, mm-hmm. test. Mm-hmm. So, but, but in that time period, people did generally, even despite, you know, weapons of mass destruction, there's a series of right. mistakes. Right. Uh, you were, some of which you were involved in, some of which you weren't. But over time, uh, there's been misses in Vietnam, there's been misses, like, assessments. Actually, the intelligence guys that's we're right. Much better in we're Vietnam much better in Vietnam. And the policymakers. Policymakers didn't right. didn't listen to what right. they were saying. That's right. You're absolutely right. Um, but in terms of the, the utilization of this intelligence, has been people. It depends on who's using it, right. what they what they believe, how much they get of it, uh, what mentality you are going into it. If you're a Dick Cheney listening to it, it's a different than a Barack Obama listening right. to it. Exactly. Kind of stuff. Um, or, and, and by the way, that's the burden on us. Mm-hmm. We've got to know our client. Right. Exactly. And so, but in in general, for the most part, most people trusted the system. Right. The, the trusted the system, which you talk about in this book. Why is that a good thing to trust the system yeah. in terms of? Because fundamentally, and this is my life experience, and I mm-hmm. realize this becomes a discussion point when I uh, take it to audiences mm-hmm. outside of Washington. Sure. Um, but my life experience is uh, these are highly talented, professional, dedicated Americans working under the rule of law mm-hmm. to do the best possible job they can. Now, you know, it, I, I know about original sin and a vow of tears mm-hmm. and imperfect human existence, but I don't question the motivation. Mm-hmm. of the people in the intelligence community to get to the most accurate view of objective truth. Right, right. And it often where it gets twisted is where what people's objectives are, depending on... So it. so you're feeding into a policy process. And this is, mm-hmm. Carrie, this is one, one of the real difficult things. Uh, if you're not relevant to policymaker, you probably should be on a university campus. Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, no, no, no offense, because right. right. I'm now on a university campus. Right. But, but you need to be relevant to the policy process. So somehow, you've got to be true to your roots. Mm-hmm. I'm the fact-based objective guy. Right. But still be relevant to the decision maker. Right. Because they could feel that they could rely on what you're saying. And, and actually change their mind. Right. Even right. though you're cutting against preference, policy, or personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an art. But the system, for the most part, worked. worked. I think, I, yeah, the, I, There was I think a trust so. in the level of the system. There, 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 was, there was certainly a, a degree of, what's the right word, deference might be a little too strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, you ignored the intelligence guy mm-hmm. at your peril. Right. Because that represented the institutional wisdom of the government. Now, you can, mm-hmm. and presidents have. And right. we're, we're accustomed to that. Right. But that's okay. Right. He's president. Mm-hmm. We're not right. So, and, and even in cases, say you have a J. Edgar Hoover at the who has agendas that intelligence agencies have agendas, which I think the reason I'm asking is because this has now become right very much very, in, very in politicized. The, very politicized. Yeah. So, so Hoover, I think, by any objective measure, even from, for somebody from my tribe, is a mm-hmm. very dark episode. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. And aren't, aren't we glad we are beyond any one man right. having that that kind of that kind of control. So what we now have is try is try to get a balance mm-hmm. uh, between uh, presidents being allowed to pick their own team, right? But the team broadly being institutionally focused. So I'll, I'll give you one quick example. Okay. Despite all the toing and fraying that candidate and then President-elect Trump had with the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. He changed two people. Right. <laughs> All right. Right. The director of national intelligence and the director of CIA. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, steady as you go. Right. Same people. Right. Same people. And and we'll get into this. So what is happening now in the breakdown? And I want to talk about it from a not just a Trump 
right. perspective, because I think that's definitely the thing that's fueling it, but a macro perspective of all this information, the distrust of information, right. how it goes. So we're going to talk about a lot of that in the next section, but I want to sort of, so what prompted you to write this book? Was it because of the Trump administration and the assaults, the, 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 which he started early on? He did. So so the proximate and cause— Before I no, say he's also reflecting a feeling that is out there. That's my point. That's He often has a lizard brain in terms of uh, parroting back issues, whether it be around nervousness about tech. About, right. It's often reflecting quite a reality opinion. Yeah, so we, I mean, this, this deserves a lot of unpeeling, mm-hmm. but, but right. very very briefly, yeah, the proximate cause was what the president was saying and doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't get two or three thoughts into that without realizing that, that President Trump is effect, not cause. Mm-hmm. He is cleverly riding a popular wave uh, that, and, and I begin the book very clearly yes. with the Oxford uh, Dictionary's Word of the Year for 2016, post-truth, mm-hmm. decision-making based less on data and evidence and more on feeling, preference, emotion, loyalty, tribe, grievance. And that is a societal trend mm-hmm. that he decided to exploit and and ride. So it is a it is a broader phenomenon, and I actually bring up in the book running counter to the mode of thinking in the West since the Enlightenment mm-hmm. in the seventeenth century. Which is to use science, data, data, evidence. Why has that happened? What what has occurred? What has made post truth the thing? Is it? Let's talk about the bigger picture, and we'll get into Trump in the next part because I think he's fueled it rather right. severely. So it, 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 it's somewhat global, mm-hmm. not, not universal, mm-hmm. but, but somewhat global. So we, we see it in some Eastern European countries, uh, certainly in, in, in the Russian Federation, here in, in the United States. It, it may be despair in, in the face of such rapid change mm-hmm. uh, that, that folks are now overwhelmed uh, by, by their circumstances and, and look for something that seems to offer, for want of a better word, salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now it, we, we are re- responding instinctively, tribally, uh, based on self-identity mm-hmm. rather than on and data and information. And oh, oh, yes, oh, by the way, and I'm sure we'll get into this, that is absolutely tied to the technology we now use in order to get information. To get information. Yeah. And so so when you think about this post-truth society or post-fact society, what are the hallmarks of that? What are the From your perspective, what are the hallmarks? You said tribal. You went through them very right. quickly, but so, let's go through them a little less quickly. Sure. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's based on something other, other than evidence. I'll give you two quick examples. Okay. They pivot around the same reality, but two different people. So... Um, Barack Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the accusation. Right. So I'm 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 trying to talk. To There's pe- a new one this week. We'll yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm trying to talk to people who don't sound like me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I write in the book that I go to Pittsburgh. You did. My my brother gets all of his friends in the back of the bar. I walk in. I know most of these people. I grew up with their brothers or sisters, mm-hmm. their moms and dads, and we have a, a great two and a half hour conversation. But I get to the point where I say, so I mean. How many actually believe Barack Obama wiretapped Trump Tower? A bunch of hands go up. I go, really? I said, I'm former director of NSA. Mm-hmm. I, I know something about this. Right. That that didn't happen. The plumbing doesn't work that way. Right. What evidence do you have that that actually happened? Mm-hmm. And, and and one individual in the front of the room, and and she she got some some affirmative nods. Mm-hmm. Kind of put her arms out, shrugged her shoulders, and went, Obama. Right. There it is. That's the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the president was being stalked by John Dickerson one Sunday morning mm-hmm. on the uh, CBS morning yeah. show. And uh, 
John was pressing the president on facts, data. Why do you say right. that happened? And the president's getting very frustrated. And finally, he, he kind of sits himself behind the resolute desk mm-hmm. saying, we're done. John keeps asking, and the president then says, a lot of people agree with me. People are saying, a lot of people, people are saying, and, and Kara, that's it, all yeah. right? That, that for, for, for President Trump and for a bunch of Americans, if I can make it popular or trending, mm-hmm. it's a departure point. Right, right. So how did you feel when you walked out of that bar? Because that, that was a striking, you've talked about this a bunch of yeah. this, this striking moment. I've had that moment with family members. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has. Yeah. And I'm like, I know what actually, I was yeah. there. And they seem to have a different... They do. And I, and I, tried, and I, I tried to reflect this in the writing. I tried mm-hmm. to be very, very respectful. Mm-hmm. A line I put in the book is, there were more military veterans and parents of military veterans in that bar in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. than any green room or boardroom I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I, you know, these are good people. Mm-hmm. I mean, in essence, I, I write um, their self description is: I go to work, I pay my taxes, I go to church, I'm part of the PTA, I make make my kids do their homework, and no one seems to pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And I actually. Get that part. You get that part. All right, we're here with Michael Hayden. He's the uh, General Michael Hayden. General, I'm just called you. Nah, deserve fine. that title. Uh, he's the author of The Assault on Intelligence. Obviously, he's been a high ranking intelligence official for many years at the NSA, the CIA, and we're talking about the post truth society. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By 2050, the world population will reach nearly 10 billion, and food production will need to grow by 70%. What if artificial intelligence could help? Farmers are already using it to help increase crop yields. Watson and the IBM Cloud provides access to weather data and analyze satellite imagery to help them monitor soil moisture levels and to reduce water waste. So as the population grows, more food can be put on tables. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com smart. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Kara, this week I talked to Roman Mars. He mm, is the uh, guy behind. It's, it's a great name. He's got a great yeah. voice. You're going to be blown away by this guy's voice. He's a podcaster and a radio broadcaster. The guy behind 99% Invisible. Oh, fantastic. Which you've heard before. He's mm-hmm. sort of the co-founder of Radiotopia, which is a very cool podcast network. So we had a good, short, concise conversation about podcasting. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here with General Michael Hayden, the author of The Assault on Intelligence. Let's talk about that assault. We were just talking about people people not using intelligence, essentially, just using feelings. That's, that's, our, that's right. And, right. And, 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 and now up to and including, I think, the president. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a concrete example that was kind of the— I like that you say, I think. I think we're pretty certain on that. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna, I'm going to go for okay. we know. So a, a concrete example that plays out like a morality play, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a little long, but let me— Go let me, right let, ahead. Let me do it. So the president during the campaign, mm-hmm. all right, creates the other. The other is a convenient campaign right. tool for him. Right. It, uh, right. Muslims, Mexicans, whoever, whatever. Right. And one of the others was was uh, the class of people we call refugees. Mm-hmm. And he described during the campaign a near apocalyptic threat to the United States from refugees entering this country. Mm-hmm. And a near dystopian vetting system mm-hmm. that we were using to make sure these refugees were indeed right. safe. Right? Ne- neither of those are true. All right. And then eight days into the administration, he issues this executive order that's frankly a Muslim ban, mm-hmm. although they oh, it is. claim it's not a Muslim ban, but it's a Muslim ban. There were court challenges to it. Mm-hmm. There was an amicus brief. 
The amicus brief was signed by five former directors or acting directors of CIA, mm-hmm. two former deputy directors, a former director of national intelligence, and the former director of the National Counterterrorism Center. So they should know. And most tellingly, Carol, is that nobody in our tribe in our old jobs spoke up in favor mm-hmm. who are currently in government. Now, you mm-hmm. can you, the silence was what, right. what the signal was. Right. All right? Mm-hmm. And we objected to it on, on, on three grounds. Number one, just the methodology. It's not based on data. It's it's scary. Number two, it was really unkind to the world's least fortunate. Mm -hmm. Number three, it was more than just being not necessary and unkind. It was dangerous Mm -hmm. because it lived lived the narrative that there is undying enmity between Islam and the West, which is the narrative of ISIS and al-Qaeda. We were Mm -hmm. filling in the recruiting poster Mm -hmm. for them. That is a totally non-fact-based decision that actually, again, beyond useless, was was harmful. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's the kind of thing that that worries me about how decisions are made in the administration. So, so tell me this, because here we are in a society where we have more information than ever. And I'm going to get to the Internet companies and, and their responsibilities in this, uh, in our next section. But um, here you have all this information and all this data, but the decisions are being made based on instinct <clears throat> or what? Uh, an a priori narrative of how the world works. The president has a near preternatural confidence in his own instincts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he freely admits he doesn't read mm-hmm. and he doesn't have patience for briefings. For briefings by intelligence. Right. So <clears throat> in this society, what happens then in this situation? Because you can't really do anything if you present someone 20 facts and they just don't. So, so you, your responsibility is to continue to work the problem. All right. Now, to be very candid, um, I Hardly ever went in there with a syllogism for George Bush mm-hmm. where I went, whereas and whereas, and the president says, well, heck, Mike, therefore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best you can do, <laughs> the best you can do on a good day mm-hmm. is to create a left and right hand boundary mm-hmm. for logical, legitimate So on policies. one hand, on the other hand. Right. right. And if you go too far over here, you can guarantee that's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And if you go too far over here, you can guarantee that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so you, you try to set, you try to set the... Uh, the framework. Let so, me give, so give a normal briefing. How would a normal briefing? Like you were talking about the left, oh, one hand right. on the other. Oh, and I mean, I actually think the, the briefings are, are probably normal mm-hmm. with the exception of something you already suggested. George Bush learned in a different way than Barack Obama, mm-hmm. in a different way than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to key the briefing mm-hmm. to the personality right. of the president. So mm-hmm. President Bush learned in the discussion, in the argument. President Obama in the quiet moment, in mm-hmm. the reflection. Uh, President Trump, I've never briefed, but I'm told it's all visual. Mm-hmm. All right, it's the graph, the picture, the map right. that, that, that catches, um, that, that makes the wheels mm-hmm. uh, start uh, start to turn. And so you go in there, and and you make the the best presentation possible in the way you think most likely to succeed in getting inside the head of the president. The, mm-hmm. the, the problem, Kara, is I don't. There are times when I don't see connections between the workings of the fact people. Mm-hmm. And it's just not intel. It mm-hmm. could be the FBI. Right, right. <laughs> or the Department of Justice. We went and spoke. <clears throat> we physically saw this, and this is what it's like there. Yeah. And and so it, what we're seeing is, is I'm not so sure now how controlling the objective view that these institutions try to present, how controlling that is in the president's behavior. Mm-hmm. One example, and, and, and again, left and right-hand boundaries, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, none of this works like a syllogism. Let me give you three sentences from the current mm-hmm. intelligence community, all right? Not, not Hayden, but right. current guys. 
Um, Iran is not violating the nuclear agreement. There are no material breaches. Iran is further away from a weapon with the agreement than they would be without it. Right. And we know more about the Iranian program because of the agreement than right. we would without having such an agreement. Mm -hmm. And we still walked away from the agreement. Right. So the intelligence guys laid it out. And, and so at, at least the president knew, knew the grounds mm -hmm. on which it might not be a good idea to do this. Right. And, but he did it. And he did it based, I think, on instinct. And, and let me be perfectly candid. Uh, if, if, you're, if, if I'm now a foreign intelligence officer and mm -hmm. I'm briefing the prime minister and he pulls me in there and says, you know, I can't figure this guy out, Mike. Uh, give me some suggestions as to how I can predict his course of action. Mm -hmm. I, I frankly would have to say, well, Mr. Prime Minister, I don't have evidence for this, but my, but my instincts are look at whatever President Obama did. And do and, the opposite. And, and now you're going to have a pretty good idea of where President Trump is going to go. I see, which is interesting, which, is, which I think was essentially saying is I don't believe you. I, correct on, on all these briefings. If you get this amount of briefing, it's telling. You know, that's, that's interesting. And I, 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 try to, I actually talked to some people who have experienced mm -hmm. briefing presidents in the book. Mm -hmm. and, and they make the point, hey, look, we've had presidents who didn't believe us. Right. I mean, they, in fact, I mean, what that means is, no, I don't think your, your view of objective reality is actually correct. Mm -hmm. I have a different view. I mean, right. we, we did that with Dick Cheney a lot. Right, right. Vice President Cheney. Right. Right. That's fine. We know how to do that. Right. Uh, we have occasionally had presidents in our history who may have lied. Mm -hmm. Okay. One we, or two. We know how to do that. Right. Right. This isn't that. This is the president for whom the instinctive departure point for decision making mm -hmm. is not an agreed objective view of reality. Right, right, right. He's, he's yeah. departing from another point. We've never had that. Right. I was talking to one of these PDB president daily brief briefers, and, and we were reflecting on the— um, Remember the speech in West Virginia to the Boy Scouts? Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm the best speech. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a campaign rally, a yeah, little, yeah. little tasteless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that caused a disturbance in the force, and there mm -hmm. was reporting on it. And the president then said, hey, no way. The leadership of the Boy Scouts called me. They said it was the greatest speech ever given. Well, yeah, it never happened. But right. the question we asked ourselves, does he know that? Did you think he got called? Yeah, exactly. Does his mind make the distinction mm -hmm. between the past that happened and the past that would be useful? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we just looked at each other and said, perhaps not. And, and, and that's the difference. I mean, before this sounds too condemnatory, because mm -hmm. it, it is rather critical. Yeah. I mean, you know, God makes us all in different ways. Sure. And, and this may be how he worked. But for me, for my tribe— that presents challenges we've never well, had. You know, it's interesting. I, it makes me think about when I think about doing my own job. I, When I was a young reporter, I used to think, what is this person lying to me about often? I, like, oh, what are they keeping from me? Or what, are they, what, what yeah. don't they want to tell me? And I think as I got better, it was always, what are they lying to themselves about? Mm -hmm. what, what, are, what do they need to do to get through the day? And what do they, what falsehoods do they have to gin up in order to convince themselves of certain things. Back to the dynamic right. of human intelligence. Right, exactly. Yeah. So so when you have this assault on intelligence, this past week, he's now, they're investigating, seems like an unsubstantiated rumor. No, no evidence. No of, evidence. Right. But they're doing it anyway. Yes, they are. So what has happened here? So, so now they're investigating things made up. Right. So, uh, well, well, we mean we did that. I with, have a hunch. We did that with Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. We did that with this whole unmasking fiasco. Mm -hmm. You recall mm -hmm. that, that they were right. re re requesting U.S. identities, and mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I've been a critic of the Obama administration for a variety of policy questions, mm -hmm. and I, I just felt compelled as a former director of NSA to say, 
no, what you're describing here is is um, ridiculously normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how right. this works. There's right. nothing untoward. And now we've got this politically motivated infiltration of the of the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. So what I've been saying, although I'm not a lawyer— Because he can say all the things he wants. Right. Now there's action behind it. There, there is. And so I, I begin by saying I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that's neither illegal nor unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. It's just unprecedented. Right. And I, I describe myself as a creature of the executive branch. I know Article Two, and I know the great powers that the Constitution gives the president. He is the chief law enforcement officer of the country. Mm-hmm. All right, he can do this, but there's a reason no one else has ever done it, mm-hmm. Be- because the the deeper, longer term value is the independence mm-hmm. of law enforcement Absolutely. and the Department of Justice. And and, and here again, it, it's indifference mm-hmm. to that objective reality to that objective truth, and, and the president launches, and I, I quickly add, there's 35% of the country now who, who simply, that's enough evidence. Right, because he says so. It, it, it happened because, because the president has made, made this ac- accusation. I, I think Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, uh, his response was fairly elegant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he kind of tossed it to the IG, right. um, which in essence responded to the president. I don't think that was a satisfactory response, mm-hmm. but the president doesn't have um, any other clear moves to make after Rosenstein did that. So I think, I think that was a, a, a decent deflection. Mm-hmm still trying to preserve some things we need to preserve. Right. So this, to me, is an assault on intelligence. This is right. like when, when, oh, yeah. when you're talking about, um, you know, there's some people in the country on both sides of the spectrum that are like, good, let's destroy the intelligence system because it's been based on lies, it's been based on manipulation, it's been based on this, which I think he's in that camp. Uh, and there's plenty on the left who have that idea of it. Um, Talk about what it does when there's this assault. Because we've set up a system that we've had forever, really. Yeah. I mean, since... Revolutionary times, we've had spies. I mean, George so, Washington had spies. Spies have been everywhere. Right. And, and, and but, but, you know, I, I, I try to draw the— it, it, I mean, it, obviously, it's a book about espionage. Mm-hmm. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm the intel guy. But mm-hmm. it tries to be a broader book about right. the, the values of how our society makes decisions. So, mm-hmm. so very quickly, I mean, Enlightenment values animate most of Western civilization. But right. they really animate America. Absolutely. Because our foundational documents were written by Enlightenment scholars. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Hamiltons, the Madisons, the George right. Masons of the world. And so if we back away from the Enlightenment, whoa, that is right. that is a very serious thing. So what I actually say is, is that the, it, it, it's interesting that the high friction points of the Trump administration have been with intelligence, law enforcement, the courts, science, scholarship, and journalism. Mm-hmm. And what do they all have in common? Enlightenment. They're, they're all evidence-based. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all imperfect, all can get things wrong, some may be occasionally corrupt. Right. But their only safe haven is that they pursue truth. As a job. And therefore, it's not surprising. And, and, I, and I make the point, something that you suggested by, by your question, um, that my truth seekers, the intel guys, have, I've spent most of my career being criticized by the other truth Seekers mm-hmm. on that list, mm-hmm. and I've been—we have been criticized for the way we acquire data, right? Electronic surveillance, interrogations, and so on. Kara, uh, that 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 dispute has been absolutely muted. We, the intelligence community, has been embraced by those I other know. communities. I know, I know, the press loves <laughs> be, you because we're data guys, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll get back to that other question directly. We'll be fighting later, but, but right now it's all organizing around circling the wagons around people who bear 
data, who bear right. who bear truth. So this is a burden that intelligence shares with with other elements of society. Mm-hmm. And so where does that lead if that is happening on a daily basis? You know, you do get the sort of hand-wringing that goes on every night on cable news, and you've been on cable, and I, I saw Sally Yates last night making a very persuasive argument that this was unprecedented. Right. You know, if I hear the word unprecedented, I'm like, no, it's not, because <laughs> we're going to have a precedent tomorrow. Yeah. He's going to do another thing. He's going to push you even further. What happens? Because then I think in a lot of ways, and in the next section, I do want to talk about the impact of all this information that we get from all these platforms, because right. I think it ha- plays right into this. What occurs when this is happening, when there's one precedent broken after the next, is that you just... Yeah, so so this... Actually, let me give I you... I can't believe he did that. I'm so tired of that one. So let me let me give you the good news, mm-hmm. all right? I, re- I really right. mean this. Uh, the sounds you hear from outside of our studio here mm-hmm. are not American institutions crumbling. Mm-hmm. They're American institutions holding their ground. Right. A- a- against unprecedented behavior from the executive. Let me, let me give you, this, this is a fascinating dynamic, and, and just give me a minute to, to describe it. Constitutionally, the limits on the president should be the Article I guys, mm-hmm. should be the Congress. Right. Okay? Um, that's actually not happening. No. All right? So you have a president expanding his authority, doing unprecedented things, but no real limitations, rarely. Any limitations by the, by the group that's by, by, by the Congress. He's actually being opposed by the agencies and departments of his own executive branch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that are pushing back mm-hmm. against some of these unprecedented requests and behavior. And then weirdness of weirdnesses, the president is trying to enlist his party in Congress, which constitutionally, right. in all meanings of that word, should be the agent limiting him, right. he's now trying to use his party in Congress to strike out at the agencies of his own executive branch mm-hmm. who are pushing back against him. So now, what, how strange is that? It is strange. So why is that? Why is Congress behaving like this from your, I, from your I, long I, experience? I, I, I just think they've put short-term gains um, and party— Tax reform or whatever. Yeah, um, over, over the, these longer-term things. So back to the original premise. The good news is the sounds you hear are institutions trying to hold— trying to hold their ground. Mm-hmm. And the advice I give to intelligence people in the book is serve the president, make make him successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do a carve-out for the political appointees. Right. Think twice before you do this. <laughs> but, but that everyone else who, who should just be rowing, right. I'm saying row. Make this man more successful than he otherwise would be. You know how to count. You know how the Electoral College works. He is the legitimate president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And then I say, obviously, you have to protect your own personal integrity. Mm-hmm. So keep a letter in the lower right-hand desk drawer. Right. But beyond that, but beyond that, you have got to protect the integrity of the institution, which cannot resign, mm-hmm. which cannot walk. Right. And therefore, although we accommodate all presidents, because we should, you cannot accommodate any president so much that you undercut the legitimacy of the institution in its own eyes, in the eyes of the people, or in the eyes of history. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the struggle. All right. right so now. you're saying this is institutions fighting back. Again, what would it take for the Congress to act in that regard? They just won't. This particular party will not. I so here's 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 my macro statement mm-hmm. based on judgment rather than scientific surveys. Mm-hmm. There is no body of evidence that Bob Mueller can can prepare and present. Mm-hmm that would convince a Republican-controlled Congress to draw up articles of impeachment. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Period. No matter what he says. Yeah. No, oh, by the way, I don't think impeachment's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I think 
because there are so many Americans who mm-hmm. believe the president, who right. believe in the president, and they are good Americans, mm-hmm. all right, that you do not want to create the impression that people like you and me mm-hmm. just conducted a soft coup right. against the duly elected president of the United States. This needs to be resolved in 2020. Mm-hmm. In, in election form. Right. In election form. So when you have the insolvent, and then I do want to talk about the role of these giant tech mm-hmm. companies in this. When you have this assault on intelligence, where does when you have people saying lies over and over again, people do believe them ultimately. John McLaughlin, former mm-hmm. acting director. Okay, John. No, no, not John. Oh, no, John. That's a different uh, John. McLaughlin. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. John McLaughlin, the Intel guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, John gave me a quote that I use in the book, and I cite it. Mm-hmm. It says, "You repeat the lie often enough that the lie becomes the truth, and then good people defend the lie." Right. Exactly. Which is what we're going to get into in a second because of the Internet, because I think it creates, amplifies, and weaponizes information in a way that has been unprecedented. We're here with General Michael Hayden. He's the author of The Assault on Intelligence. He also is a long-term intelligence operative, everything, everything. He worked uh, in the Air Force, all kinds of things. He ran the NSA, he ran the CIA. Um, And we get back, we're going to talk about the impact of uh, these Internet companies and their platforms on this uh, whole difficult situation we find ourselves in. This episode is brought to you by MParticle, the customer data platform for every screen. And I'm here with co-founder and CEO, Michael Katz. We know that uh, people are using mobile to research and transact more than ever before, which we've talked about. Um, What's the future of mobile commerce and how does MParticle help its retailer customers like Overstock, Lily Pulitzer, and Jet.com? So the classic notion of a person moving through the funnel is fundamentally broken. Mm People may start researching a company's product on their laptop, subscribe to that brand's email newsletter a few days later, get an email which they open on their phone, download the app and complete the purchase. You know, so right there, just trying to map the customer journey, you need to capture data from four or five systems. So brands need to create uh, consistent and personalized experiences across all these devices and systems. And so it starts with having a data platform that was built to ingest data from anywhere, Mm -hmm. create a unified view of the customer, and then in real time, sync that data out to all the various marketing and analytics tools that the company may use in order to create these experiences. So people are doing very different things all the time. Absolutely. Dynamic as they are using all these devices. For sure. Thank you, Mike Katz of MParticle. Where can we learn more about what you're doing? Go to www.mparticle.com or follow us on Twitter at mparticles with an S. Ah, thank you so much. Thanks. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week, we answer your questions about consumer tech and the week's news. This week, I talked to professional lacrosse player and entrepreneur Paul Rabel. Paul, what's the favorite thing we talked about on this episode? Wow, that's a great question. I, I enjoyed the whole thing. It yeah. feels like a cop out, but yeah. I, I, I love talking. Yeah, you're, you're, you know a lot about a lot of tech. Well, thank you. Coming from you, especially, <laughs> that means <laughs> but, a lot. And we're here with my son Louis too. Um, so one of the, the couple things we talked about were equipment, broadcast media, broadcast media, where, equipment, wearable technology. Um, the experience for the sport. fan, the experience for the player, high performance improvement using new tech. We talked about my investment portfolio. We talked yeah. about my foundation. All kinds of things. It was a lot of fun. You're not just a lacrosse player, are you? No. No. But that's, <laughs> Maybe that's done. one of the stereotypes <laughs> that we're trying to address here. Yeah, I mean. You've done pretty well with that. Anyway, you can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. 
We're here with uh, General Michael Hayden. He has a new book, The Assault on Intelligence. We've just been talking about the Trump administration and its assault on intelligence and the difficulty of that and the and the things they keep pushing forward. But one of the things that goes hand in glove with it is how the Internet, the right. enormous cornucopia of information that we get, both correct and incorrect, has had. Um, give me like a quick five-second primer on what you think the culpability of a company like Facebook Google and others are in this area. Yeah, so my, my quick summary is here's a case where uh, technology and ambition mm-hmm. have gotten ahead of law, policy, and most importantly, norms mm-hmm. and education. Right. And so now what you have is this tsunami of information coming at us, and dare I use the word, in an uncurated fashion. Right. You all get it in when you're at the CIA or everywhere else, and then you sort it. Right. And so we have a population that is their historical habits have been based upon digesting curated news, mm-hmm. for, for better or for worse, but curated. Right. And, and now they have news. Checked out. Right. And now you have news coming at you uh, in, in, in just overwhelming volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how strange is this? The director of CIA, former me, mm-hmm. gets invited to Sweden mm-hmm. for Nobel weekend to take part in a day-long discussion on the meaning of truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I go there and I, I do my 10 or 12 minute TED talk. I participate in a couple of uh, panels, but I went there to learn. And they're really smart people. And there is one woman there, Zinup Tufekci, mm-hmm. Turkish by birth, North Carolinian by choice, who's an expert on, on social media. Mm-hmm. And, and she pins the blame on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. All right. The algorithm. Ah, the algorithm. The algorithm is designed to keep you on the site. All right. The algorithm yeah. is designed to create clicks. Because that's the that's the profit engine, all right. And she, and she uses the example, and I fully cite this in the book, of uh, it's like Doritos, you can't eat just one because mm-hmm. the first Dorito gives you salt and fat, which creates a craving for salt and fat. So right. what the engine does, as currently constructed, is you go into Facebook or, or, or some right. social Facebook. site, Facebook more than any other. Yeah, and and it knows you as well as you know yourself, mm-hmm. and so it it generally trends to give you pleasing things. The longer you stay, the more it's Doritos, the more it drives you to things that reinforce your going in position. So, mm-hmm. so rather than giving you a picture of the tsunami of information, mm-hmm. it actually drives you into the darker corners of your own self-identified ghetto. Mm-hmm. And so you end up dealing with people, data on the web right. that simply confirms what it right. was. Confirmation you, so, so, it, so it doesn't drive to a discussion. It drives us to our corners. There's a fellow named McNamee who uh, wrote an article Roger. in the in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Early supporter, early investor, mentor. He made quite a lot of money from Facebook. Yeah. I'd like him to give it back. Roger, give back the money. But but he points out this very dynamic mm-hmm. that, that it, it is the essence of how the algorithm works that creates reinforces, right. so, divides. So, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, I've talked to Mark about this issue, and he, of course, he's written essays about it, like, we've got to figure out a way to move away from that. They're all trying to do this. I'm like, it's designed like this, so it doesn't, you right. know. I mean, it's, 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 right now, it's a horse. A horse is a horse. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an elephant. So this is what we have. So what is their culpability and their role? How did you look at, say, the, um, what was happening, the Facebook hearings? I thought the Congress was almost, I couldn't, I was shocked by their... Well, so, so here's the problem with Congress, all right, mm-hmm. because I had this as director of mm-hmm. NSA. 
I would go there and explain something. Remember I told you a golden mm-hmm. age of surveillance yeah. and all that. And obviously, you know, now your comms are intermingled with mm-hmm. Abu Zubaydah's comms, and mm-hmm. that presents a problem. And I'm I'm trying to say, no, no we're, we're still sure. doing what you want, but it's a little touchy over here. And this is so, right. I, so I, I give this briefing, and I'm I'm a liberal arts major for mm-hmm. God's sake, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm using straightforward terms. Right. And the first question I get from the dais, I suddenly realize, okay, they did not understand a thing mm-hmm. I said. Right. And so what you've got is 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 you know people, you know we're who are at best digital immigrants, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Right. And didn't know enough to ask the kinds of questions no. that, that, that would then, have been revealing. And then had too much of an ego not to give their five minutes to a person who did. Yeah. Which is 100 I've experienced that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, again, I try to impose responsibility here. Mm-hmm. I don't try to impose guilt. Right? On these companies. On the companies. I mean, remember I said it's, amb- it's technology and ambition outrunning law, policy, education, and societal norms. All right, but in a lot of ways— But now you've got to correct. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, these companies have become the CIA. You know what I mean? They are they, they are the information owners, givers, the data owners. They relentlessly hoard information, and it's useful. There's talk about signals. There's signals everywhere. There's It's everything. It's humans, it's signals, and imagery. It's yeah. everything all at once, like you were just talking about. So what is their responsibility? Which And then they, of course, tangle with the government on encryption and everything right. else. And so now they have to become— they're the purveyors of information. They're supposed to be the protectors of privacy. They're the abusers of privacy. Um, I just recently interviewed Tim Cook on a, a show for MSNBC where mm-hmm. he talked about this. Yeah. They have a very different point of view, right. um, which is that this is unpre- this should not be happening. The Facebooks of the world should not be having this much information. What do you, what do these companies have to do? Is or do they not have to do anything? Who's responsible for this? No, I, I, th- I think they do, and, and so I'm not bright enough to suggest mm-hmm. what the new algorithm looks like. All right, mm-hmm. but there's some low hanging fruit here, all right? Such as? Well, for example, political ads mm-hmm. on, on Facebook they should, be, should be regulated. I'll be interviewing Cheryl like, Sam. It's my first question. Yeah, I'm like like, like any others. Um, we all went to the same high school. We mm-hmm. are different high schools, but we learned the same values. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm really reluctant to the government to monitor information, suppress information, to say mm-hmm. that's untrue information. And so, you know, a really silly, simple thing is um, rotten tomatoes for news sites. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that you actually get a rating from right. the new site based right. upon some objective criteria. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've gone to bad rated badly rated movies, but I knew what I was getting into. Right, right. So, so you knew you know yeah. and remove so, these. So there is some easy low hanging fruit mm-hmm. that, that we can we can use to, to make this immediately so curate better. better essentially. Right. Exactly. Right. Again, not suppressing. Mm-hmm. But, but giving people an, an additional view to allow them to make their own evaluation mm-hmm. about about uh, sources. And, and then there's the abuse, not just that, not just just various sources. There was one source at one time on Facebook. I was arguing with them a long time that Hillary Clinton was a lizard at one point, and that kept going everywhere. And I was like, she's not, I'm pretty certain I've met her. She's not a lizard. I can't say for <laughs> sure, but this should not be going on. So th- there's false news that goes on that creates. Then people get a hold of it, okay. like your friends in the so bar. Another another low hanging mm-hmm. uh, piece of fruit. All right. It is within our technology to know when we're arguing with a human being right. or a, a server farm in St. Petersburg. Right. And, and, and I don't think, you know, and, and again, to a degree of certitude that is sufficient, mm-hmm. I think the, the machines we own should suppress the machines they own right. when they try to pretend as if they're real people. So assess what Russia did because, you know, Facebook's making the argument it wasn't that big a deal. What was more was the advertising that Trump and Clinton did well or not well. How do you assess what they did? I, I, everyone is sort of shocked by that. I'm, I'm like, of course they took advantage. Why wouldn't you? They're yeah. good at it. Right. They're, you know, oh, it's I, like you would do it, right, if you were running, actually, working for Putin. Oh, oh, yeah, working for Putin. I would. <laughs> actually, though, you know, working here, I mean, look, I'd be the last person to 
claim the United States has never conducted a covert influence campaign, sure, which absolutely. is technically what this is. Yeah. But, you know, even in my time in the agency, and I've been out 10 years now, um, those became very problematic because we're not allowed to influence American opinion. Right. And how then do you use this digital age mm-hmm. to affect maybe a legitimate foreign intelligence activity mm-hmm. without it blowing back on the United States? Right. And so, right. I mean, that immediately presents itself, which is not an issue. For the Russians. For the SVR. Right. Yeah. They love it. <laughs> yeah. They love to do it. So what? how do you assess they did? What is, I'm interviewing Cheryl Sandberg next week. What's the yeah. question I need to ask her? Um, they did do it. Mm-hmm. All right. And and, and so and we, we can argue what was the primary flavor in the stew, mm-hmm. but there's and no question. what the impact was. You're right. There was no question that they, they, they were in the stew. I, look, I... I was a student on this as well in, mm-hmm. in trying to write the book, and I, I went to a fellow you probably know, Clint Watts. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, Clint, I, I, my wife and I sat in, a, in an office room mm-hmm. in Manhattan mm-hmm. for an afternoon and mm-hmm. walked him through. Right. And and and, and the story that really struck me was was not the campaign. Mm-hmm. All right, was uh, Jade Helm fifteen. Mm-hmm. It was an exercise, special operations in Texas and several other southern states, that Russian bots. And the alt-right media. And mm-hmm. here's a really important aspect. There is a powerful echo chamber between what the Russians say and alt-right media in the United States. Mm-hmm. Created such concern in the state of Texas that the governor of Texas had to call out the state guard, which is kind of a volunteer organization, mm-hmm. to watch the feds because the stories that were circulating in Texas was this was an attempt by the Obama administration to round up political yep. opponents up to and including abandoned Walmarts being used as concentration camps right. and boxcars transiting the state with leg irons on the floor. Right, right. <laughs> right? I mean, so so there you've, you've got what I can only assume to be our, our, our good, sensible Texans mm-hmm. kind of going crazy right. on, on, on something that has no basis in reality, fed by Russian bots, and, and amplified media. by social media. Uh, yes. It's the amplification that I think is interesting, you know, in terms of the power. And one of the things that struck me when I was talking to Mark, he was saying, I don't want to be in California and and make decisions about this platform like that. Like, he doesn't want to stop it and stuff like that. And I, I made the argument is you made the platform. You have to make value decisions. Every company has to have a value decision Well, again, back to, process. you know, uh, is it a person or not? Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, talking to Clint, mm-hmm. I mean, his art and science showed me, oh, no, this is this is the bot lighting up here and here. Right. And again, to a degree of certitude that should be sufficient— they should be suppressed. But when you're when you're with the people from Silicon Valley, you don't want to do that. Now you spend some time with them, and and they oh, yeah. are their influence. I think is massive in a way that I, I don't even think government people get. Yeah. So so number one, I mean, they they're, they're engines of the American economy, and God bless them. And, and, mm-hmm. and, okay, but you know there was always a sense out there of what I would call extraterritoriality. Uh, what's that? Explain that. I love that word. <laughs> they're, they're 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 kind of beyond the normal scope. Yes. Yeah. Of, We're going to Mars. So yeah, leave us alone. Right. Right. I, I, exactly. We're we're living here in this domain, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think there has been. And I've seen this movement over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they realize, um, no, I guess we're not. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> and, we're. Yeah. And we we you know, and, and you, you do see them. A lot of them now opening offices up in this city mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they now realize right. that, that you know American opinion, American law, legislative processes are now very important to them. They're not living in this extraterritorial existence in which which the, the normal functions of government don't don't apply. Mm-hmm. They do. And 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 you know, I'm I'm assuming civic responsibility. I mean I've I've talked I've I've talked to, to folks. At each um, of these companies. Yeah. Er, Eric Schmidt, for example, mm-hmm. I once said, look, Eric former director of NSA, mm-hmm. look, Eric, I understand your challenge. You're an international company. And he stopped me. He said, Mike, 
we are an American company mm -hmm. with international clients. Right. Which, I mean, is a, a right. good, powerful sense of social responsibility. So what has to happen between the intelligence agencies and, and tech? Because they did, you know, they, of course, got into it over spying within their own systems yeah. and, and tapping into it. There was an encryption fight that Apple was quite strong, Apple and Microsoft particularly. So, so um, number one, the Snowden revelations mm -hmm. and stuff goes out there and we, we go into a deep hole. Um, my personal view, a lot of that's unwarranted, but it's real and, mm -hmm. and you've got to deal with it. Um, let me, let me tell you a story from my personal history. So I'm a member of a Clinton appointee. Mm -hmm. And um, late Clinton, I get called by John Podesta to come down to a White House meeting on something called MTOPS, mm -hmm. a million of theoretical operational somethings per second. Mm -hmm. it, it's computing power. And, and we had export limits on what Cray could export to other countries right. because obviously computing power is a cryptologic advantage for us. Mm -hmm. So I went down to the first meeting and said, no, no, we, we love export limits. And I said, well, could you, go, could you rethink it? Yeah, okay, fine. So we go, we go back to Fort Meade, and we huddled up. And, 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 and in great earnestness, we huddled up, and I went down to the next meeting and said, we don't want you selling anything to these X very small list of mm -hmm. countries. Other than that, have a ball. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and sell it. And, 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 our, and our pivot was the sudden realization that whatever tactical transient advantage we would have because our computer is bigger than their computer mm -hmm. wasn't, wasn't at all as no. important as, as the, American industry right. dominating the supercomputer right. world. Right. That applies to a whole bunch of things. So, so now uh, when you get to San Bernardino mm -hmm. and the phone, mm -hmm. all right, uh, it surprised a lot of people that a bunch of former directors of NSA Sided with Apple. They did. Yeah. So did Ash Carter. Yeah. It was really interesting. And we did on security grounds. Right. That although Jim Comey had a legitimate mm -hmm. request for counterterrorism, mm -hmm. law enforcement, mm -hmm. forensic needs, fulfilling that need in in total made America less safe right. because whole, of what I Apple agree. would have to do. Right. And, and so I, I, I do think it, it, it does require this kind of not reflexive Right. Uh, Give me the phone. On, on the part of the government. I remember arguing with a uh, FBI agent. I was like, if your case depends on opening this phone, you better get better at your job with human intelligence. And, you know, there's 10 ways to figure this one out. Well, we, now we had that whole debate on encryption, mm -hmm. right? And we should we should have a key. Yeah. And, and, and frankly... Again, I'm, That's a coming back again. I'm a liberal arts major, yeah. not the technologist, but I don't know how you get a key without. I know how it used to work when we played offense. Mm -hmm. Any hole was a hole. Yeah, that's and, right. And we, exactly. would, we would try to we would try 100%. to go get. It. So my counsel to, to the to the old signals intelligence mm -hmm. guys is, you know what? You may have trouble getting content in the future. Right. Don't. There are other stuff you can do now. There's so much right. digital exhaust right. that you can actually create actionable information without content. Absolutely, it's it's a very interesting. So I want to finish up talking about uh, China and and other and Russia. Where are our, where are where are the challenges from your perspective? There's assault on intelligence. Our agencies are getting attacked by our right. own government or one person, right. particularly in the government. Um, I think while this is going on, China, Russia, other countries are just moving straight ahead in this area. So, so I, I, would, I, would, I would make a distinction between the two, all okay. right? One's resurgent, the other's a pretender, mm -hmm. all right? So, so Russia's dealing from a, fundamentally a position of weakness. Absolutely. And so what we see the Russians doing is trying to tear us down. Mm -hmm. So this post-truthism... Um, right, messing with elections. It, 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 it's, it's all designed to get us down to their level, to right. distract and weaken us. Mm -hmm. The Chinese it may, it may, may do that a little bit. They've got Confucius centers around the country, mm -hmm. which is kind of soft influence. It's almost too good for them to yeah. do the 
yeah. food and stuff. But they are resurgent, mm-hmm. all right, or from their point of view, this is restoration, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's, it, it's a different kind of challenge. The Russians trying to take us down, the, the Chinese being a, a genuine competitor, mm-hmm. but competitor, right? not an enemy. Right, right. And so therefore, this thing around ZTE or... or, or a, a, a real thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you saw, you know, despite what the president said, back, back to fact-based, fact <laughs> yeah. you had the nation's counterintelligence executive answer, would you buy... And he said, oh, no. Right. Would you let government employees use? Right. No. No. Right, exactly. Yeah. No. no, I don't think we should make any phones. I, people are surprised when I say that. I'm like, no. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And it also takes away from our country's innovation in this area. Um, when the government doesn't back behind it. All right, so I want to finish up, General Hayden, uh, talking about where you think it's going from here. Like, you have a hope, you seem to have a hopeful point of view, although... I try. You know, <laughs> it's hair on fire every yeah, night, yeah. it seems like. Where do you imagine I, it going? So, this past weekend, mm-hmm. which was the uh, investigation of the investigation, right. uh, was was really troubling. Mm-hmm. I mean, back to something you said earlier, I never thought I'd see that. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we see these things uh, routinely. I think institutions survive, but but they will be damaged. Mm-hmm. All right, and 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 so here's here, here's a thought I haven't shared that it's really important. We have a president who does not respect norms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we've got institutions pushing back, and and one of the great dangers for those institutions is that in pushing back they break their own norms. They'll do anything. Yeah, and, and so we we my tribe and, and other tribes, you know, journalism uh, needs to not be obsessed about the president. There's other news out there. Absolutely. Intelligence can't leak information that should not be made public, Mm -hmm. even if it is in the purpose of pushing back against a norm-busting administration. Mm -hmm. And so we need to preserve our norms, hold our ground, um, and, um, you know... Although some people say no. Like, you know, when they had that story that Ronan Farah had about whether this piece of banking information was somehow lost, the guy leaked because he thought I have to do it before. According to the story, right. and, and that is that is like that's that is a that is a norm busting behavior. Absolutely. All right, and and that's I don't I don't think that's the off ramp for us. It's odd because I was like I couldn't help but see why he would do it. I, I understood it. I, look, I I understand people mm-hmm. people have come to me and said, well, how do you stop leaks? Mm-hmm. Oh, easy, make people feel like they're part of a team and they're listened to. I agree. <laughs> right? That's what I always say. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why? What, someone was telling me I get a lot of leaks. Obviously, for my stuff, not quite as important. And they uh, said, why are they leaking to you? And I said, because they don't trust you. And they trust me more yeah. than you. And I said, that's your problem. If you yeah. fix that, they won't write to me. Right. You know, which is really interesting. Anyway, this is a fantastic book. And, and you are kind of hopeful, It's which is interesting. But we'll see. I think we, all, we do outlive a lot of people like this. We outlived McCarthy. We outlived uh, all kinds of problems over our Actually, history. I was on Bill Maher mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. in, in the—, in the, in the core guest was John Meacham. Mm, ah, yes, of course, Andrew and, Jackson. And he's he's bringing his book out, is now number one, uh, about how we have weathered storms in 100%. the past. 100%. Our, our lack of ability to understand our history. I'm, I'm reading the Hamilton book. I saw the, right. obviously the musical. But we it almost got screwed up at the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. Like, there's so many points. My guy's in Pittsburgh. Right, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> there's so many points in our history that we don't realize we were this close. Right. And somehow it turned, which is, you know, it was it's an interesting, if we make the right decisions. Um, anyway, it was great talking to you. Thank Thanks you. for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about this show that helps them discover great interviews like this one. 
Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other podcasts, Too Embarrassed to Ask and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. Hello, listeners of Recode Decode. This is Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor of The Verge. Last year, I got to guest host this show. This year, I talk people into letting me do my own podcast. It's called Converge. Each week, we'll bring you fresh ideas and a sense of what it's like to build a company from the people who are actually doing it. And we'll do it all with games that no one has ever played. It's like HQ trivia if there was only one contestant and it was literally impossible to win money. So far, we've got guests lined up from Google, Lyft, Pocket, and that bodega near your house. You know, the one with the weird cat. The first episode drops Wednesday, May 23rd, wherever you get your podcasts. Converge. You've never heard a tech show like this.